Hello, I'm Owen. Welcome to Wellspring Baptist Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. For more information on all that's going on at Wellspring, please visit www.wellspringbaptistchurch.org. I hope this message is a blessing to you. Take your Bibles and go to uh, Romans. We're starting a, a new series, I guess, this Sunday morning or four Sunday mornings. Um, on the uh, epistles, and the epistles are uh, letters. There's um, the Pauline epistles, which would be letters written by Paul, uh, some to the churches, some to individuals. The ones to the churches would be, for example, uh, Galatians, Corinthians, Ephesians, and so on. Those to individuals would be um, Timothy. Titus, Philemon. We have uh, in the New Testament the general epistles uh, written by James, Peter, John. And these letters um, deal with uh, problems many times or issues in the church. They give us uh, a truth about the Christian walk or Christian life. And the thing about these letters are that they are um, universal and that they are timeless. So for instance, um, the, the letter written to the church at Ephesus was true and was good for them then, for the believers or the Christians in India or China a thousand years ago. Uh, and is good and, and just as good and right for us today or any believer or church in Europe or in Africa. It's just timeless and universal. And the scripture, all scripture, is relevant today. And it's, uh, it's relevant because it was inspired by the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 22, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so we know that the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, is the author of these words, the Scripture. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, the Bible tells us this, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction, and righteousness. So as you think about these letters, these epistles, uh, they are inspired by God. And they are profitable for all those things that are just listed. Uh, So these letters, these epistles, are for doctrine and for duty. And it's interesting that um, Paul's Paul's letters, Paul's epistles, uh, are like that many times. That he'll lay the doctrinal truth. I mean, I've pointed this out multiple times in Ephesians. How he'll, he'll, he'll establish the doctrinal truth and then say, now how does this work out in your family? How does this work out in your home? How does this work out in your calling? How does this work out in spiritual warfare? How, you see what I'm saying? So it's, it's the doctrine and the practical. 
the doctrine and the duty, uh, the principle and the practice. Both are important and both are in these uh, scriptures. And so when we think of um, these letters uh, for the, the church, these are the foundation of our faith and of salvation. It's wherein we stand, right? And it's, it's good for our Christian lives and service. And it also gives us the truth of our, of our future and our hope and our eternity. And so, as we've mentioned, the, the things that these uh, letters bring out, the doctrine, the reproof, correction, instruction, and righteousness. Um, doctrine is that established truth. It is, it is uh, what, we, what we stand on, what we know to be true by the Word of God. It is His truth and His Word. And so uh, reproof is if we've departed from the truth, if we've gotten away from the, the truth, then uh, we need to know that, right? And then the correction is how we would uh, get back on track, how we would get back uh, in, in the right walk, in the right path, in the right way. And you could almost see that in the first three letters uh, that, that, uh, that Paul writes. Romans is in which we're going to get into this morning is, is heavy doctrine. Romans is heavy doctrine. It is establishing the truth of the gospel, Right? Uh, Corinthians, there's, there's a, and I'm just generalizing here, there's a lot of reproof, right? There's a lot of, uh, hey, you guys are going off on the wrong way. And Galatians, uh, he'll say, hey, this is how you get back on the right way. This is a correction. Hey, you went this way, get back in on this path. And so uh, these letters, these, these epistles, I would say that this is an obvious a different method of God revealing to His people uh, His truth or His revelation. So you got the first five books of Moses, uh, Genesis uh, through Deuteronomy, and then you have historical books in the in the in the Old Testament. You have poetry books. You have uh, a prof- prophecy. You have the Gospels, right? And then now we have these these letters, these letters that are written to believers. And the majority of these letters are written by Paul, who is the apostle to the Gentiles. And so if if you were if you didn't know anything about the Bible and you just picked up the, the complete word of God and began in Genesis and begin to read through. You would, Romans would become a shocker to you because as you had noticed that it is primarily a Jewish. It's all about this God calling out the, a, a, a nation and how he worked through uh, uh, the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. And again, last Sunday we talked about in Acts chapter 10, uh, you begin to see the, the transition, you begin to see the change. But by the time you get to Romans... I mean, that's not Jewish anymore. And you get to Corinthians, Galatians, and the Gauls. They were barbarians. And so something has changed in the Scripture and the Word of God. And now it is uh, going to this shift 
to, to the Gentiles, to uh, those folks. So what Romans teaches us is a salvation by grace through faith. Um, it, words in Romans like uh, justification or justified, justified by faith is is uh, is becomes when we when when the Holy Spirit reveals that to us what that really means to us and to our account that is a huge blessing right that is a that is great to know so let's just start with in Romans one verse one and then verse seven who's talking who are they talking to Romans chapter one verse one Paul a servant of Jesus Christ. Called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. So as Paul's writing, who's he writing to? Verse 7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God. Called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Paul's writing to those uh, saints, those in Rome. And I believe that as you read through this, that there was in, in the church there, or in the group of believers there, there was both uh, Jews and Gentiles. Um, and, and many of them uh, had, had come to Christ before Paul had, or had been converted before Paul had. We, we see that just at the end of Romans, in Romans 16 and verse 7, where Paul had family members, kinsfolk, that were in Christ before him uh, there. So there were those that were in Christ before him uh, that were converted, that had believed in Christ. And there may be believers here at Rome uh, that had, had um, received Christ on the day of Pentecost. Uh, the Bible talks about in, in, in Acts, remember where the apostles received the Holy Ghost and they began to spoke, speak in tongues and these folks that had come into Jerusalem uh, to, to worship, to, uh, to fulfill this feast of Pentecost, they began to hear them in their own language in their own uh, tongue, where they were born, where they were from. And this miracle uh, happens. And the Bible says in that group of languages, in that group of, of folks that were there, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 10, the Bible says that there was strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes. These proselytes would have been those of Rome that had converted to Judaism and then now had converted to Christ. At Pentecost. And so we see those folks were, were there on that day. And so Paul's writing to these folks that were believers uh, when they received Christ and how, uh, of course, Rome being the center of the world, there was a lot of folks traveling in and out and going through from the other churches that Paul had preached and started. And now Paul's writing a letter, a statement, a gospel statement, uh, a declaration of the gospel. And this was for Rome. But it's for the whole world. And it's for today. It was for them. And it's just as relevant to those, them, then, as it is to us today and us now. And so, as we, as we start uh, this series, and as Paul starts these, these letters, it's, it's interesting that we start with salvation. 
<laughs> that is a great place to start. When you're, when you're trying to uh, uh, live the Christian life, and I'm not trying to be, uh, I'm not trying to be sarcastic too much. But when you try to live the Christian life, it, it helps to have the Spirit of God living inside of you. It helps to start with salvation. Matter of fact, we'll find out in Corinthians that it, you, this, these words must be revealed and taught and understood through the Holy Spirit. Not the natural man, but the spiritual. And so we need to be Born again. We need to be saved. We need to, and, and I'm going to define this hopefully for us this morning. Through uh, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's where we start. That's not where we end. I mean, that's just the beginning. That's where we start. Um, but we got to start there. We have to know that we received Christ. That we are a child of God. And, and so Romans chapter 1, chapter 2 And part of chapter 3, Paul uh, takes the time to make sure that everybody knows that they're in need of Christ. That, That he takes the time to prove that the pagan world, those that uh, aren't religious at all or have some strange, strange religion where worshiping creatures or, or creation or, or something like that, that, that they are lost and without God. And for the religious crowd, and at that time being the uh, Judaism, they would say, well, of course. But then he takes time in chapter, chapters 2 and 3 to prove that the religious crowd is also in need of Christ. The good and the bad are in need of Christ, in need of this salvation. And he takes time uh, to prove that. He takes time to show, show those things. And I think it's important that he, he, he tells us that the whole world, I, I guess the sum, summary of these first couple chapters would be the whole world is lost and in sin. That's not good news. But then he gives the good news. The good news is salvation. The good news is Christ paid for our sin. And so he talks about the righteousness of God by way of faith in Jesus Christ. I think it's important that Paul doesn't lay out that all have sinned. Um, and, and, and religious and pagan and, 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 and all have sinned or are in need of salvation. And then gives a bunch of self-help uh, uh, ways to become a better person, a better, uh, become a better you. He doesn't do that. No, he talks about salvation. He talks about new life, uh, 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 being born. Uh, again, religion many times will try to change our hearts by, by um, our own righteousness, by, by self-righteousness, and it doesn't work. And so Paul makes that, makes that clear. And he also tells us that this new birth does not depend upon your nationality. No, it doesn't depend on if you were good or if you were bad. No, it does not. The Bible talks about uh, that all come to Christ the same way. I think of the, the thief on the cross who in the Roman Empire uh, was not good enough 
to keep his life. I mean, he was not fit to live in the Roman Empire. They were going to, they crucified him by Christ. But what did Christ say to him? Today, thou shalt be with me in paradise. You see that? John Bunyan, who wrote A Pilgrim's Progress, studied uh, this longest letter of the Bible, uh, longest epistle, uh, Romans. He studied it, and he said it changed his life. And when he wrote Pilgrim's Progress, what he said he did was took the book of Romans and his own testimony and put it into the story of Pilgrim's Progress, of how he came to the cross and his burden of sin rolled away. And he began his Christian journey, his Christian walk to that celestial city. This letter of Romans shows us that Jesus Christ became man, that he became sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. So let's dig in. That's the introduction. Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. Romans 3 and verse 21. It's good to take it and see it in your, in your own Bible and mark some of these things and be able to go back to these Uh, truths, these doctrinal statements here. In Romans 3 and verse 21, the Bible says, but now the righteousness of God, and you're going to see that uh, multiple times in the book of Romans, the righteousness of God, without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ, unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. This righteousness of God that he talks about throughout Romans. This righteousness of God, first off, is without the law. It is uh, uh, imputed or given to us without the law. It's not against the law. It's without the law. The righteousness of God through Jesus Christ fulfilled the law. Completed it. That first covenant. that That Old Testament. And this believer, the believer who puts their faith and trust in Jesus Christ receives this imputed righteousness... The righteousness of God. How? By faith. According to the law. In other words, the law seeing our righteousness that we had uh, compared to the law or put up to the law could find no uh, fault in it. Would see that our righteousness was justly and perfectly given by God. So it doesn't go against the law, but it's not by the law. Does that make sense? It's not against it, but it's not by it. The righteousness of God is not by behaving, but believing. It's by faith that we receive this righteousness of God. And he talks about the law and the prophets bear witness or witness to this. In other words, uh, the law and the prophets would say that, that we as human, we as men are sinful. And that uh, God is righteous. And that there is a substitutionary death that is acceptable. 
And so that the law, seeing the sacrifice for our sin, would say that that is right. That that is good. It's not going against the law. It is fulfilling the law. This righteousness of God, he talks about, is manifested. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 16, Romans 1 and verse 16, Paul says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God. There's that, the, those, that phrase again. The righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so he mentions in chapter 3 that the righteousness of God is manifested. He mentions in chapter 1 that the righteousness of God is revealed. And so the question would be, uh, how? How is the righteousness of God revealed? Maybe a better question is, who is the righteousness of God? It is Jesus Christ who is the revealed, manifested righteousness of God. And how do we access that? How do we come to Him? By faith. By faith in Jesus Christ. <laughs> Remember our By Faith series that we did uh, for a while? Uh, we talked about our faith. Uh, you can have faith in all kinds of things. But our faith is only as good it as uh, the object of it. What is your faith in? And when we talk about faith, we're not talking about, uh, we're talking about specific faith in Jesus Christ for our salvation. We're talking about hearing His Word and doing it. That is faith, right? Hearing His Word and believing it. Putting uh, our faith into it. And that is good news for all. <laughs> I mean, you know, you start with the bad news of all have sinned and all are in, are in need of salvation and all are lost. But the good news is, is that uh, all will and can be saved. All. There's no difference. He talks about there's no difference. Remember last week was we studied that Peter finding this revelation and finding this out that there was a God is no respecter of persons. That, that whoever, whosoever would believe and would accept that God would save them. You say, well, there are some people who are, who are better than others. There are some people, uh, some societies that are, that are worse. Well, here's the, here's the truth of the matter. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even the best, even the most religious, even the most uh, uh, kind and all the stuff that you could be comes short of the glory of God. We still need his righteousness. Yes, we still need the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So you're Romans 3, look at verse, look at verse 24. Romans 3, verse 24. He says, being justified freely. Now we've talked about justified before, a way to remember that, just as if I'd never sinned, justification. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption.
that is in Christ Jesus. Being justified freely. You know that this justification that comes from God is a gift. It's a gift. In Romans 6 and verse 23, the Bible says, For the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The righteousness of God is a gift from God by faith in Jesus Christ. You say, how is that possible? It is by His grace. By His grace. That means that God gave us something that we did not deserve. (laughs) He gave us something that we... I mean, we can admit that we did not deserve all the wonderful promises that are to us as believers. All spiritual blessing in heavenly places, meaning that we are joint heirs with Christ. That's the grace of God. All those things are His grace and His mercy. How about His mercy? That means that we didn't get what we deserve. Aren't you thankful for His mercy? The Bible says in Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us by the washing of regeneration, the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Aren't you thankful this morning that He gave us what we did not deserve by His grace and He didn't give us what we did deserve because He's so merciful. Uh, he, He freely justified us. It is a gift. It is something that we could not earn. It is something that we could not pay for. We could not. It's free for us, but it is not free. Look at verse 20. Well, let's read 24 again. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus Whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood. To declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, His righteousness. That He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law of works? Nay. But by the law of faith. (laughs) It's free. This justification, this redemption, all these things are free for us. But it costs a high, high price. Christ paid a high price. We have words here to describe it like redemption. You know what redemption means? It means... Uh, To deliver by paying a price. By paying the price. Propitiation. The act of appeasing wrath. Or gaining. Or securing favor on an offending person. Christ uh, made that for us. This propitiation is atonement. How that Christ was the atoning sacrifice offered to God for us the sinner. And so again... It's free for us. It's a gift for us. But it was not free. In this exchange of our salvation that happened, we received redemption. We received this propitiation by faith 
paid for by the blood of Jesus Christ. It was his blood that paid for our sin. A high price for him. A high price for him. A free gift for us. This is why we're thankful. He is the justifier. It is not someone else or anyone else that looks at our life and decides whether we are forgiven or justified. It is God that justifies the sinner. It's God that justifies the sinner. And he is just in doing it. In other words, he did it uh, not against the law. He did it in such a way that the law that he had set up, he did it in accordance to it, not going against it, but fulfilling it. It's not as though God just wrote it off. It's not as though he just overlooked it or swept it under the rug. He paid for it. There was a payment that was made for our sin. It wasn't just magically poof, done away with. It was paid for. There was a payment for it. There was a penalty for it. But he made the payment. He did it by way of redemption, by propitiation. How are we we justified? By the blood of Jesus Christ. Which leads to the question, then, where is the boasting? Where's the boasting? Where are we as Christians? Uh, I mean, you know, our faith, true Christianity has no basis for pride. No basis for it because it was all by the work of Jesus Christ. And then our sanctification process, as he begins to uh, uh, make us into his image, that's also a work of, of the Holy Spirit as he does these things in us. And so we all have come the same way. We all, no matter religious or non-religious, Jew or Gentile, it doesn't matter. We all come to God the same way. By faith in Jesus Christ. And we all have to have the same payment. The blood of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 28. Verse 28. Therefore we conclude... That a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Isn't that a good conclusion? Therefore, he says, justified by faith. Is he the God of the Jews only? Verse 29. Is he not also of the Gentiles? Yea, of the Gentiles also. Seeing it is one God which shall justify the circumcision by faith and the uncircumcision through faith. Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yea, we establish the law. I said that there was Jews and Gentiles in, the, in this group of believers here at Rome. And so he writes this now for his Jewish readers, those in Rome that may have had a background in Judaism, that he didn't want them to think that faith in in. in, in in Jesus Christ is going against the law. No, no, no. It's not going against the law. It's fulfilling the law. It is the law now is done with because of what Christ had done in his sacrifice for sin. That this justification for each person was done according to the law. We've mentioned this before that Romans is written in such a way as, as if Paul the lawyer, Paul the attorney, presenting evidence to a jury that salvation is by grace through faith alone. 
And so he's presenting all of this evidence. And, and he's saying, hey, everything that was done here was done right. Everything that was done was done right according to the scripture of the Old Testament. And now the revelation of the New Testament and the new scripture. Everything is above board. Everything is perfect. Everything is done correctly. See, you and I have an advocate. We have a lawyer <laughs> that knows the law. <laughs> he, our advocate, our lawyer, is able to secure our salvation, our justification, our redemption in accordance to the law of God. He's able to do it right. See, if you have a good lawyer, you don't have to know every single in and out of the law. You just got to trust that they do. Right? You got to trust that they do. And our advocate paid what the law required. Our advocate came and, and said, this is what the law required. Therefore, here's the payment. Paid in full. Done. I've done it according to the law so that I am just in justifying each and every person who believes. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2, My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ the righteous. Can you imagine having Jesus Christ as our advocate? Wow. He is our advocate. And he is. Not only is he the advocate, but he is the propitiation for our sins. And not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. This makes it easy for you and I to do our job. You say, what's our job? To proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. You know what we can say with confidence? That our advocate did it according to the law. He did it right. It's perfect. Salvation is complete and perfect. Therefore, if you'll put your faith in, our job is easy then. Trust in Jesus Christ. Trust in this perfect gospel. He did the whole work. Now our job is to say, believe it. Trust it. It's good news. Wow. (laughs) I think this is exciting. That our advocate, Jesus Christ, paid our payment according to God's law. And the Old Testament law. And he gives us some illustrations, some examples of this in Romans 4 and verse 1. Romans 4 and verse 1. What shall we say then that Abraham our father, by the way, when he talks about Abraham our father, we are now a family not based on nationality, but based on faith. We're brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, not because of what uh, uh, nationality we are born into, but actually it's the second birth that matters. It's the second birth that matters most. And he says, uh, Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh hath found. For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted unto him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. So here we have an example of an individual who believed God before the law of Moses. Before the law. And he was justified uh, before the law. And then he gives us another example. Verse 5. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. 
Even as David also described the blessedness of the... You know, we are blessed. We're, we're constantly, and I've said this before, we pray, Lord, would you bless us? He has. Yeah. I mean, if you've, if you've had imputed righteousness, you couldn't be more blessed. That's as, that's as good as it gets. I mean, you get the imputed righteousness of God on your account. Uh, he said, the blessedness of the man unto whom God imputeth righteousness without work. So he's using an individual under the law of Moses to prove this point. He says, verse 7, saying, blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven. Blessed are those whose iniquities are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Covered by what? We've already studied. By the blood of Jesus Christ. Blessed. Blessed. Again, we're blessed. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. What a blessing. What a blessing to know that we are in that, that we are not just justified, (laughs) but we're secure. We're justified and secure. He says that the Lord will not impute sin. Would you be blessed if you felt like that our advocate had gone to the judge, to the Father, and not just uh, found us justified just as if we'd never sinned, but also took it to a place where we are, uh, uh, he will not impute sin to our account? Wow. We're blessed. He goes on. We could keep going on. Romans is just an exciting. Look at, look at verse 5. Uh, chapter 5, verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, by the way, we've pointed this out multiple times. The book of Romans could be, could be uh, followed by the therefores. I told you that it was like an attorney presenting evidence to a jury. And so every time he would present all this evidence, he would come up with a therefore. Or because of all this that I've shown, this is what it is. And it starts with the whole world is lost, therefore. right? And Jesus Christ is our righteousness and his blood therefore right and then he goes therefore that's this therefore being justified by faith then he goes on uh, therefore there's we we uh, have no condemnation that's a future one therefore we should present ourselves to God a living sacrifice but he says here therefore being justified by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ that's a good verse, isn't it? By whom also we have access by faith into His grace. How did we access His grace? How did we get into this grace? By faith. By faith in who? In Jesus Christ. Wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. You know why we, why we rejoice? You know why we praise the Lord? Because He has justified us because we are forgiven because of his redemption that he has put to our account look at verse 8 but God commended his love toward us and while we were yet sinners Christ died for us much more I've talked about the much mores in Romans that's a good one to follow much more than being justified by his blood we, have, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. And not only so, 
but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Wow. This is like a, a, this book of Romans is very like judicial. You know, it's by the law. You were, you were, you were judicially saved, forgiven, born again. The judge declared you righteous. The judge declared you forgiven. God declared you righteous. And so I believe that this book of Romans is like your very own pardon. Your very own pardon from God. It's interesting, Brother Spurgeon right now is being, is being uh, uh, looked at for a presidential federal pardon. The FBI called me and, and did an uh, interview with me and did an interview with him uh, for this pardon that's coming. And, and, and I assume that when he gets this pardon or if he gets this pardon, they're going to give him a piece of paperwork that shows that he's been pardoned by the President of the United States. But you and I, you and I have a pardon, a very own personal pardon pardon written here in the book of Romans that if we ever doubt that our salvation, if we ever doubt that we are a child of God, if we ever doubt any of this, just go ahead and open up the book of Romans and read through it. And God declares us righteous by His Son's sacrifice, Jesus Christ. It's our very own pardon. It's a pardon from God. It's a gift of God. It's not something that we could work for, but we've been freely justified. Maybe you're tuning in today and you've not received this. You've, you've believed in God. You've been religious. Maybe you have. Maybe this is, this is the first time you've ever listened to church services or been a part of this. But can I say this? That you can know that you have eternal life. You can know that your sins are forgiven. You can know that you are pardoned. I would ask you today, if you're there at your home, sitting maybe on your couch or wherever you're at, to just bow your head and from, from your heart, with your mouth, ask the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. To save your soul. To become the Lord of your life. To say, I am putting my faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. At this moment, I'm going to take a time of prayer. And I would ask that you you would do this. That you would surrender your heart to the Lord. Dearly Father, God, as we, as we come before you, Lord, there may be some that are watching. That you've showed them through your Holy Spirit. In, in their heart, they know that they're not born again. But God, you're calling them to it. You're offering this pardon to them. This forgiveness. This salvation. Lord, that you paid for but is free to us. And I'm asking, Lord, that you would uh, stir their heart. And right now, that they would cry out to you and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Forgive me of my sins and come into my heart and save my soul. Lord, that that Jesus Christ would be my Savior and my advocate. That His sacrifice for my sin would be be payment for, for my account. That I would be made right with You, God. That I would be made righteous and made the righteousness of God by Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm praying for us as as believers, as Christians, that we would be able to stand in this powerful gospel of how that you have declared us and 
and showed us that we are forgiven, that we are justified and made right with you. This, Lord, frees us to be able to serve you. And this also has given us such great news to tell this world, to tell those around us uh, this good news of salvation. Yes, we're lost. Yes, we, we, we are sinners. But, but you will forgive us and you will save us. God, we love you. We thank you for your truth. We thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, each person here and each person tuning in online. Lord, that you would help us as a church and draw us close to you for your glory and your honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. We'd love to hear from you and learn how you've been encouraged or challenged by this podcast. Please leave a comment on the Contact Us page on our website, or you could write to us at P.O. Box 641, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. Feel free to visit us anytime that you're in the Springboro, Ohio area.